Hello and welcome to the Gunners Town podcast. I'm Gav and it's my honour to host what will hopefully be a weekly 30-minute chat on tactics. With me today are two fellas who are going to try and explain a bit to me about more of the coaching side of the game. Uh, so firstly, good evening, Mike. Hey there, Gav. How are you, boys? How are you doing? All good, thank Likewise. you. And uh, yeah, and also introducing Was how you was. I'm good, Gav. Thank you, mate. Good. Looking forward to, to getting stuck in and having a little chat with you guys and, and see where we go. Yeah, like I say, I mean, you know, the main really focus of this is not to really sort of hop back on what's been happening in recent games, but just to sort of go through the, the tactics that Arteta might be employing, tactics that we feel might might sort of improve the squad, etc., etc. So we'll see what we'll see what ends up. We'll see how it ends up. Yeah. Yep. Right, the format is pretty simple, like myself. Uh, we're going to go for 10 minutes on three different subjects. Uh, the first one, which I'll head over to Mike, what are the advantages and disadvantages of our current 3-4-3 formation? OK, well, let's go with some advantages. Be happy to start with. Um, now, this first part is, is more guesswork than um, good coaching now, per se, but... Um, I'm imagining that the, the base idea of playing with the 3-4-3 that we currently play with and have done for about a month now um, was based on whether we want to try to keep the game close um, and nick or a win where we can or whether we want to play to our strengths and make it an open game. And, and this is what I mean by that. And I think it's been proven that in every game by the Man City one, which was a bit of an anomaly, nearly got that wrong, uh, due to the injuries and sending off. Arsenal have kept every game close. We wish, of course, Arsenal would win each game by two or three, but with the current squad, I think that that's a good coaching tactic. And he's decided to go and try and keep the game close and play three centre-backs, which is an additional weaker player, per se. You know, Ideally, we would rather have one of Louise Kolasinac and Mustafi sit on the bench and sack a start. I think everybody would agree there. But I think Arteta wants to keep the game close um, and play with that security of three of those guys who he doesn't really have any much faith in, as the fans do either, um, rather than just say, OK, we could do it the other way. We can play to our strengths. We could play, let's say, a 4-2-3-1. Uh, we could play... Uh, I know Saka in training apparently has been playing as an attacking midfielder, so we could play him there. That gets him in the team, which solves one problem that Arsenal have right now is where does this guy play? You could play a Bamiang at centre-forward um, as well because you don't need that centre-forward uh, to check back and be the creative hub like Lacazette and Nicotier have tried to do. Um, a Bamiang can stay high and just feed balls uh, feed from balls, um, shorter balls from an attacking midfielder and running behind. And then you could have the wings taken up by one of Nelson, Saka, Pepe, uh, Martinelli, I think is a big factor in this, even though he wasn't playing as much. I think um, in my mind, I'd have been very interested. And I wonder if um, if Arteta was looking at playing a Bamiang in the middle, but having more goals in the team with Martinelli on the left. So you've got Bamiang and Martinelli and then Pepe with Saka behind. And that would have been a more open game. Now, we could do that. We could do that. But then how much more or less confidence do we have by having two of Louise, Mustafi, Kolasinac holding? And so I'm not blaming the coach there because I think that it's been proven over the 
the larger spread of games rather than just the other day that the three at the back makes us more secure. And then moving on to my next thought, I think it actually fits the profile of players that we have. And as a coach, that's what you have to do. I, it annoys me very much that uh, there's too many professional coaches that have one system. Jose Mourinho would be one. Seems to have one way of playing, regardless of the um, players that he has. He wants to play and seed possession. Uh, and then he wants to counterattack. And it doesn't seem to matter which players he's given whereas a good coach should look at his players and pick the formation. And I think that this actually suits our centre-backs because it makes them feel more comfortable because they, uh, they get too stressed ordinarily playing in a four. They're just not individually and collectively good enough yet until we get better defenders. I think it suits the central midfielders who are doing quite well. Um, and without Torreira as the natural defensive mid, he hasn't been available for the majority of time. We're limited as to who we could even play. Guendouzi's obviously not playing. Maitland-Niles he doesn't seem to trust. And so uh, this system with the wing-backs, it seems to suit any combination of those guys that he plays as wing-backs. The front three are playing in positions that suit them personally. So I applaud Arteta for finding a formation that fits most every player on the team that you want to see on the field. And I feel for him in the same token, because I bet you that this is not what he wants to do. It's just what he has to do. A um, couple more points on the plus side. Um, coming from City, one thing that I've seen that Arteta does uh, very well is he enlarges the pitch. And so the 3-4-3 three, three with three at the back and then plus two extra defenders out wide can stretch offensively the pitch as wide as you want, which is what we're doing, giving everybody individual space. Um, and therefore, that makes it harder for the, uh, the other team zonally to cover all of the gaps if you can play through them. And that's ideally, coaching-wise, what you want to do is make the pitch as big as you can both ways when you're attacking and then make it compact uh, when you're defending. I also would add that I like... Um, the fact that uh, our exit routes out of defence, you know, the ball in modern football spends most of its time in the back and it starts in the back and there's these exit routes. Do you want to go through the middle? Do you want to go out wide? And Arsenal are not technically secure enough and don't have the numbers in the midfield to go through the middle. And it's so compact. So they go exit out the side and they've got these two high wing backs that they can exit through. It's not always working, but the general idea is more intelligent than trying to go through the middle where they're waiting to pounce on players like Guendouzi and Xhaka, who always get pounced on. Um, so I like I like that factor. Um, and the uh, the attacking mid, which I know that maybe Woz is going to get into when he talks about what's missing from the squad, so I don't want to talk too much about that. But it's rare these days to find a true attacking midfielder in a 4-2-3-1 in any top um, European team. Most of them, they're uh, flair players out wide and they come in. They don't have a, a number 10 like those who just sits in that compact, tight space trying to thread those tight balls through. You have to get that player to go to one side and overload a two-on-one on the wing, three-on-two, or come inside, which I wish that we would do more, and get Pepe to come in to the middle, drag his defender around and come and receive it there. So they're the positives. Um, quickly on the, on the downside... As I said earlier, there are more of our quote-unquote weaker players out there than our stronger players. And you could be more simplistic about it and just say, OK, why don't we just play to our strengths? Why don't we get more of our stronger players on the field? So let's get Saka on the field and get Kolosinic off the field 
and, and, and that sounds like that works, but then you've got them created that that lack of security and that increased stress that we all feel in the back four because that didn't work either. Um, of course, you stifle Aubameyang. A lot of people are wanting Aubameyang to play centre forward. Okay, well, um, in this system, almost impossible. And as much as we like Aubameyang in front of goal, this system, because there's no attacking midfielder, there's no one to connect, you have to have your centre forward or a drifting forward make that connection and he is not good with his back to goal it's just not his game he is all about receiving balls mm. in front of him for him to run onto or crosses for him to finish so you can't really play a Bamiang at centre forward unless you have a, a drifting player or the attacking mid in this 3-4-3 uh, three, three. Um, you know I wish and again I'm not blaming the coach but the reality of watching Arsenal now I'm sure you guys see it is our playmakers are actually our uh, defenders and our wingbacks. The ball spends so much time going back and forth across the back, and then it, go, and it goes out to the wingbacks, and they have to make something happen. They have to make some kind of accurate pass. It's not being... Savias and Xhaka are just there to just retain the ball and knock it back and forth and switch the play, but not really creating anything. You know? Can I, uh... so I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, sorry. Just to pick up on what you were saying, because, like I say, I, I understand completely what you're saying with regards to the fact that even though we're possibly not playing our best 11 players, we're playing the best formation that we can with the players that we actually have available. So yeah. I understand that bit. Uh, and when we're talking about a 3-4-3, three, three, a lot of times I'm seeing a 5-2-3. Yeah. So I, I'm not seeing the the wing-backs actually come, in, come inside too much. I'm not seeing them... I mean, I don't know if we want to bring, bring Boz in on this one. Do you think that the way we're set up at the moment, we would look more solid in the middle if the wing-backs did sort of push inside the pitch a little bit and perhaps that would give the three forward players more space for to go wide? Yeah, I think with, with regards to that, I mean, this... The way he's setting up at the moment with the, with the three centre-backs, as Mike rightly said, I think a lot of it is about spacing and connecting defensively. So, like we saw before, the amount of times people like Granit Xhaka are left on his own with Guendouzi alongside and they're running around like headless chickens. Now, when you look at our defensive statistics and the way we are covering, Xhaka and Ceballos are winning a lot of ball. We're closer. The three centre-backs are in there. And yes, we are more sturdy. And, and as Mike <coughs> rightly said, as a result, going forward... We, we, we're sort of less creative and we do rely on these fullbacks. Now, I think with, with the attacking wingbacks, if you've got the three centre-backs and you've got the, the two midfielders sat in front, the whole idea of Pepe and Aubameyang almost becoming second strikers. So when Lacazette's dropping in, the wingbacks are going past and the idea is to hit the byline and the opposite one of the front three is getting in at the back post. And unfortunately, time and time again, we've seen with Lacazette, if he does come short, he's really going to struggle to get there and get at the front post and get in the box after. So we sort of creating the ball in the final third, but our two sort of, as you say, wide men, and we saw the examples of Aubameyang, the chances he had against Spurs. We got it wide across the box and he's there. So really them, them wing backs, their job is exactly as Mike said, that is the exit plan. That is a strategy. And that is where the creativity in this team comes. But then you start to encounter issues like we did against Spurs, where they just sat two men, 
Uh, to Soko and Moore and they sat them in and just blocked that, that exit route and then we had nothing in the middle of the park. So we come a bit one-dimensional and, and it's, it's not very exciting to watch and, and when they stifle it, we, we need sort of a, another strategy. But I think what you're saying with tucking in and being more solid, I don't think we've been too bad um, defensively, especially through the heart of our team. Um, we've made individual errors, but collectively, I think we've actually done pretty well since, the, since we've come back. And I do agree that I don't think this is Arteta's long-term plan I just think at the moment he's feeling this is the best way we can trust ourselves and move forward till the end of the season and when you look at the previous results a lot of the incidents have come down to individual errors we've been unlucky with the Eddie Red card and the VAR and all sorts of things like that we're looking at margins whereas before in games we were capitulating we were creating holes everywhere there was havoc and 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 now we're just at a stage where you're seeing that the players aren't just quite of the level and tactically he's doing all he can but you'll only get to a level and, and Jurgen Klopp went through exactly the same scenario at Liverpool and I'm, I'm, I'm very positive with what he's doing with the 3-4-3 simply because it shows me that he's not married to one formation and he's, and he's got that flexibility there so we're losing a lot by 3-4-3 but also we can gain a lot and uh, I just I think we're going through the motions a bit here and he's, he's kind of sort of figuring out this squad and, and what people can offer him. And um, I just think like, like Mike touched on at the moment, that, that 3-4-3, the way he sees it with the attacking, the attacking fullbacks and sort of a Bamiang and Pepe being inside forwards. And he's trying to get it all to work. And at times it has worked beautifully. We've made some unbelievable moves, but when we are stifled, we've got no creativity at all. So it's mm. a bit of a 50-50, yeah, I mean, mate. Yeah, I mean, see, I mean, that, that's what I was looking at. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I'm going to actually slip, split the running order up of what I said to you earlier, just because it's going to make more sense. Because I wanted to see a bit more, more passion, more aggression uh, in the side. Uh, and it, this goes to the next, the next question that we're going to move on to. What is the most important profile of a player we are missing from the current squad? Now, I'll go back to you and start with you on this one, was. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of glaring, glaring issues at the moment. Obviously, without Mesut Ozil, and we all know about Mesut Ozil and people have their opinions on him, whether you like him or not, the fact of the matter is the way he plays football is clearly something that we were missing and we have been missing. There's there's not people, although people say number 10s are sort of non-existent in football anymore, there's a new hybrid of player. People like Bruno Fernandes, you've got Nicolo Zaniolo, there's plenty of players like that that can players an eight, but also break and, and get in them creative pockets. And I think eventually he may well go to that 4-3-3, but I, I think that creative option, and it is an option, because we've got to understand that top teams have top players that miss out and they rotate and then dependent on the game, we'll, we might well play 3-4-3, we might well play 4-3-3, we might play 4-2-3-1, but the flexibility is what is key. And at the moment, we're a bit stifled because we do not have that player to play in the pockets. And we do not have a goal-scoring midfielder to, to break from deep. So that is huge, I think. Are you, are and, you talking about someone like, are you talking like someone like a Ramsey or to go a bit, bit see, well, to go yeah, even back further? Are you talking someone like Scott, what Scholesy used to do for Man United? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, nowadays, them sort of players, Mesut Ozil is exclusively a creative player that will play behind the striker, in that hole, picking up pockets, recycling the ball. He moves in them areas. Now you've got people that are comfortable moving from deep. And, and Ramsey was almost, for me, I didn't personally like him as a 10. And it was almost he was there ahead of his time as, as trying to play in that role. But because he could break from deep well. 
I think that the more modern footballers, they're more mobile, physical, um, intelligent, and they, they seem to have a, a, a bigger range of attributes than just being able to collect the ball between the lines. So, I mean, you look like I don't want to refer to Bruno Fernandes again, but he was scoring goals for fun out in Portugal, and you didn't know what would happen when he comes to this country. But a player like that who can just step in and he could equally play central midfield as he could up behind the strikers. And, and there, there is plenty of these players about and they're sort of a new breed um, that are coming through. And then also you've got other excited like Kai Havertz and talents like that. He could play equally as a number nine as he does a bit deeper. So there is, we definitely need that creative player and whether it's a, a, an aggressive midfield running creative player or, or someone a bit higher up, we need that option in our squad. And I think the other thing that we really lack is genuine physicality in the middle of the park legs strength and and running ability because i like danny sabias to be fair a few weeks ago i was completely not sold on him at all but out of nowhere he seems to have gained some confidence and he's looking a bit more to part but what he does lack is physicality and and the ability to he, he bites in a tackle well and he, he's positionally quite sound but to drive with the ball and really be powerful and carry it's something that we don't have in our side and we can't. We can talk about Patrick Vieira's, but they're a one-off. But there's a lot of. I mean, we're linked with players like Thomas Partey and things like that. And he is that kind of player. He will I mean, carry the you, ball. When, Go on, mate. Sorry. sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Just to butt in. Like, so I'm still like, are you talking sort of like? I mean, I, see, I, I would call that like an old-fashioned box-to-box midfielder. Yeah. Is that the sort of player you think we need? Like, I mean, obviously we, we can't. Nobody can be compared to Vieira. But no. I mean, you're, you're talking about that sort of. The universal yeah. midfielder that's that's got Correct, a little yeah. bit of everything, a little bit of everything, the goals. That, yeah, and, yeah. Sorry, because people like Lucas Torreira, he's got great qualities, but he's limited in other areas of his game. Danny Sabayas has got great qualities, but he's limited in the other areas of his game. It's sort of like Joe Willock. Joe Willock has got great running power and great running ability, but he lacks in other areas of the game. And really, we could do with sort of combining. I know it sounds funny, but combining Sabayas, Willock, Guendouzi. And Torreira, and that's that's the player we need. But they they do, they do exist because mm. they are out there. But you you've just got to spend the cash. And um, so with regards to the most important one, I think for next season, I think it is very important to have a, a creative influence in there because we are limited. Otherwise, we we will struggle to change. Um, and I think even if he does go away from the four three three, if he does go to the four three three. I'd still, I'd like to see Saka as the left of the three midfielders. Actually, I think that could be a good role for him. Um, mm. But yeah, like bringing someone in, I definitely do think that that powerful presence in midfield, that guy you're going to look at in the tunnel and go, "I'm in for a game here today." But obviously, he's going to have immense ability I mean, as well. You, 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 yeah, you, you want, you want, like I say, you're, you're looking at a six foot plus. Yes, mate. Yeah, yeah. You, you're not, you, you know, you don't want, you're not looking for a, a Jack Wilshere type of uh, no. Sort of, you know. You you want sort of like a physical presence as well, that, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's that's comfortable on the ball and, and can carry the ball as well, and it, it's, it's mm. becoming a big part of the game. I mean, obviously, when he we we changed from that era of the Invincibles, and then we almost copied Barcelona's blueprint, and we went small and, and aggressive, uh, small and um, football fleet-footed midfielders, and and really, time has come where right through the spine, we need a, a big horrible centre back a big horrible midfielder but obviously to get these guys you need to pay the money and, and that's what people like Van Dyke people laughed at the time but it's a lot of money but look what it's transformed and, and right through the heart of the, of the big side you can look at them teams and think yeah they've got sort of a mix of everything and I just think at oh, Arsenal at the moment we lack a bit of that creativity without Ozil 
and um, we lack a bit of that real physical bite and, and, and ball-carrying ability in the midfield. And as I say, there's players in our squad that can do bits of everything, but there's not one that can really combine and, and be that, that main guy to sort of play alongside Xhaka and make us secure. Yeah, no, fair one. Michael, uh, I mean, so, I mean, is that where you see the, like, the important profile of a player that we're missing? Is that where you can see or hopefully see us going in a transfer window if there is one? Mm, yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. You know, I would rebuild the midfield. Uh, of course, we have essentially two new centre-backs coming in next year with Saliba, if he's ready. I know that's a big ask because he's, I think, going to be 19 um, and new to the country, new to the league. Uh, and Pablo Mari is essentially a new centre-back. So you could say that we'll start the season with a back four, which is what I think we'd probably like, with those two guys playing centre-back and be a different uh, proposition. However, uh, they're both going to be new to playing uh, in England in the Premier League. So so I want to rebuild the midfield. I'm with Woz. Uh, I think that you need, um, in this modern game, there's 4-3-3 is the formation that most teams use, and they have a destroyer. Uh, and they have a, a ball carrier, like you, you'd say a box-to-box player, and then they have the technical uh, passer of the ball. And we don't even have those players in our squad, or certainly they're not being utilised. And interestingly enough, the ones that uh, we could patch together that kind of situation, Torreira, of course, has been injured much. Um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who has just been reported, I think, is, is looking to leave. That just came out today. Uh, is the one in the squad I've been very disappointed over the years that, for whatever reason, he hasn't trusted him to play because he is a modern, athletic, fast, line-breaking uh, midfielder, but hasn't been given that opportunity. And Joe Willock, um, you know, hasn't been given the opportunity in a three. He always plays at number 10, and I think he'd be better in a midfield three. So I would do exactly what Was says and go find, rebuild the midfield, find a destroyer. I like a Ndidi of Leicester, be hard to get him. I like Axel Witzel of Dortmund. He brings experience as well. And I love Thomas Partey. And Thomas Partey is exactly what was was talking about. I think he's the closest you're going to get to a Vieira type. Uh, apart from he's not particularly fast, but he's very athletic, powerful, strong, great ball carrier. One of the he gets, best in he Europe get, statistically. He, he, does, he does get a lot of bookings, though. He, I, I mean, like I said, I mean, I've, I've, you know, I'm not like you boys. I, I, I don't watch every game of football on the telly. But I did look at his stats, and I think he, he got something like 12 bookings in 26 league games. Uh, something stupid like that. So, but don't they all, that, don't they all for Atletico Madrid? <laughs> <laughs> Playing for Atletico, I think they all get... I think they're supposed to get a booking, otherwise they get fined, don't they, by Simeone? <laughs> don't, don't you think, though, Gav, like in, in quite a nice way, that would be nice to have in our midfield, providing it don't boil over. I mean, we saw how many times... I know we want to refer to Vieira, but we, we, we know he's... We know his record. He was an absolute nutcase and he was targeted by referees and other players and things like that. But people knew you couldn't mess with him because he wouldn't have it. Yeah. And sometimes no, I, mean, I just think there's that line. Yeah, let's, let's, let's sometimes you need to do that, commit that foul, put that challenge in, be too strong. And, and it makes people wake up and think, oh, do you know what? I'm in for a game here tonight. I don't want, I don't want it with this geezer. I don't look at the size of him. Like he's not going to take any sort of nonsense off me. But what I get what you're saying is, is it an issue? Will he, will he cross the line in England, like never playing here and things like that? But I'd love to see. I'd love to find out. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. so, I mean, if you if you boys are saying that he, he's that good and he's that the answer, I'm not going to sort of disagree with you because, like I say, I've never seen him play. I mean, obviously, I mean, you go back to the Invincibles, which was literally a, a team of six-foot giants who were all very, very skillful and, you know, were all very, very... Well, that, that, you know, like I say, they're best players in the world at the time by miles. Uh, 
and a lot of teams we actually beat them in the tunnel. So I do understand that we, you know, some sort of physical presence and some sort of height may go on to it. Now I'm going to cut this down because we're going to move on to the final bit, which uh, is about zonal marking at corners. Now I don't particularly understand that at the moment, especially with the height that we've got in the side. I don't understand. You know, we're going to we're going to get out jumped and where a lot of the, the, the players that are on the edge of the six-yard box are on, a, uh, are on a standing site, whereas everybody else is jumping in. So I was wondering what you... Th- oh, I'll go for to you, Mike, first. Uh, why do we actually do zonal marking at the moment? And why aren't we sort of doing a more man-to-man? Because, uh, you know, we, we've seen, like, five-foot-seven, five-foot-eight players marking a fellow that's six-foot-two. So I don't quite understand why we're sticking to it at the moment, Mike. Yeah, I would um, I would say that Arsenal right now, on average, are one of the smaller teams in the Premier League. Our centre backs, in particular, uh, especially the ones we're playing, are not particularly tall, and so uh, that's one issue. Um, I'd also say that um, the uh, the issue in the penalty area versus um, let's say 10, 15, 20 years ago has changed very much. You know, coaches are training teams to screen like in basketball set picks you know hold hold players block players and so the reason i think coaches go to and i think arteta does both he does a zonal and he does man for man there's certain players that are picked up man for man and most of the players are either on the post or they're zonally around the top of the six yard box but they do that so that the players can have um, opportunity to attack the ball even though as you said gav from a standing start not ideal but they're not picked off and they're not screened and they're not blocked and or, or thrown to the ground um, you know you could quite honestly give a penalty kick at any given time if you're a referee in any Premier League game at a corner kick because somebody's doing something that you could never get away with anywhere else on the field and so I think that's right. why they do it I'm not a fan I'd rather go with man for man and I definitely definitely put my taller players not just on their taller players but the ones that are most statistically dangerous from corner kicks because Kieran Tierney trying to watch Alderweireld or Danny Ceballos trying to watch whoever it was, Willy Bolly or whatever it was the other day is patently ridiculous. And I know that that's just very basic fundamental level thinking, but sometimes football's just as simple as that. You can't do that. Even if it means having a Bamiyang who's four inches taller, but isn't particularly aggressive, go mark Willy Bolly. Danny Ceballos does not need to be doing that. And I think that that's, the number one core issue is the re- responsibility from the coaches and from the players. Who in particular is picking up their main danger men? Mm. I mean, well, well, I'll go to you then. Uh, so when, as like I say, as you are, we're, we're sort of trying to set up half zone or half man for man marking. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously there is, they, they must plan for this. They must know who the danger men are at corners. Um, yeah. And we've seen too, as as Mike rightly said, we've seen a few too many mismatches at corners. Uh, is Arteta mm-hmm. getting it right with the zonal marking and the corner corner marking at the moment? Yeah, I think it's it's, it's a real real niche area because the best coaches in the world <laughs> all have different opinions on it, and that just shows you how how varied it is. Some will go man for man, some will only go zonal, some will do a mixture of both, and and I think sometimes what because it's such a because a set piece, people watch it and it, they see it and it happens. Sometimes you've got to admit that it's a great ball and a great header. And, and sometimes that does happen. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not always 
oh my God, look at that error. He's not done this. He's not done that. Don't get me wrong. A lot of times there are errors. And, and like I said, with a set piece, if you go man for man, you look, you've lost your man. That's your problem. But also, if you go zonally, well, this is your zone. This is your problem. So I think sometimes players have to take a bit of now. So like you said, I mean, even playing in Sunday league football, after one corner, you see who there's the, who's the danger man in the air. Then, then that's when the leaders of the team maybe have got to come out and say, hang on, we've got to sort this out here. But also, interestingly, I think zonally, it could, could be a thing with zonally. If the keeper collects the ball, the team are ready to spring. And I kind of think that's half the thought process. I know it sounds ridiculous thinking about going forward when you're defending. But a lot of times, when, when, when teams catch the ball and they counter, I mean, all the great sides counter unbelievably quick, but they get out and they're all in the right areas. And I'm sure in training, they practice this. There's deliveries coming in. They win the ball. Keeper wins the ball when they go and they release and the, the fullbacks have gone. And, you know, it's all happening before it's even happened, if you know what I mean. So oh. there's, there's all sorts of, I mean, what do I prefer? <laughs> it's very, very difficult. I, I, think, I think it needs to be circumstantial. When you've got players like Andy Carroll and, and people like that, you've got to defend differently. It's just simple as that. You, you have to pick up, like you said, the key men and, and also, like them zones, they're probably positioned in zones. But if you see Alderweireld, whoever's there, if Tierney or whoever, I've got to get closer to him. Like, I know it's their zone, but surely within your zone, you, you have to take it upon yourself to, to give this man some problem. He can't just stand there and head the ball. So I think even though it's not man-to-man marking, they still make errors within zones. So I don't think it's that different. I just think they're not actually picking up an individual each. Instead, they're just looking after a zone. And, and really, the players... Ultimately, it's down to them. And, and, and I think the, the, that's where the leaders of the team also, like we're saying, pinpointing the key, the key dangers. Um, they've got to say, hang on, look, we need to change this. You can't be marking this guy. Like, it's just not feasible. Like, if it comes in, if it's a good delivery, no matter how good you mark the zone, you ain't stopping one of the best headers in the ball on the team. It's just simple as that. They'll have to run on you. They'll have the position. And if delivery's great, sometimes it's just a good goal. But... When you watch it back on slow motion replay and you see our, our defender stand three yards away and the guys are free headed, you think, that's not right. It's just not right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you reckon, Gav? I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not either way. I'm a bit sort of, I can't decide. Yeah, no, no, I know what you're saying. I mean, it's, I think we can quite easily go back to the, the second point that we were talking about, the most important profile for player that we're missing from the current squad. Uh, he's going to be a, a six foot plus. Uh, either in central midfield or centre-back. Hopefully with Mari coming back, we've probably got a bit of both. So I think basically a lot of it is to do with, and like I say, I mean, I'm not a tall fella, but I, I think a lot of it is, which a lot of it is to do with the fact I don't think we actually have the height and the aggression uh, to deal with the corners, even though, like I say, yeah, we did do okay against uh, Sheffield United. Uh, in the cup, I thought we 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 coped quite admirably there, but I think it's a little bit of training, marking, height, aggression. I think it's a little bit of, a little bit of everything, and so it's tricky. Anyway, boys, we have done thirty minutes, and I promised Chris we'd get this done in thirty minutes. It's been a pleasure <laughs> talking to you. <laughs> no, exactly. Or he'll, he'll take the mickey out of what you're wearing. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, no. Like I say, it's been a pleasure doing this. Uh, hopefully, we can uh, we can do this every week or every other week, uh, and perhaps we can go into 
more in depth uh, with regards to specific positions in the pitch. Uh, so yes, I thank you for joining me. Yeah, beautiful Top game. Thank you, man. Cheers, Mike. All the best, mate. Enjoy Cheers, that. Cheers, yours. And at the Arsenal. Yeah.